Well, typically what we do here on Sunday morning is we preach through a book of the Bible. Last week we finished our series from the book of Acts. Next Sunday we will begin a series on the book of James. We will preach uh, section by section through the book. But we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I want to warn you, this is not what we do normally. If you're new to us, I hope this won't uh, freak you out too much. But in order to prepare us for the series on the book of James... Uh, next, starting next Sunday, is I am going to recite for you the book of James from memory, I hope. <laughs> but to orient you to listening to God's word, and let me just say this, for most believers, whether that was Israel in the Old Testament or for most of the history of the church, most believers, when they interacted with God's word, it was through hearing the word of God. I mean, up until the printing press, no, no one, very few people had scrolls of the Old Testament or manuscripts of the New Testament sitting in their living room. It's too expensive. And yes, the printing press came around in, 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 15, in 1500s, and yes, the, the Word of God was printed in more languages. But even today, there are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of believers all over the world, and the only time they really can hear God's Word is when it's read to them on a Sunday morning or spoken to them. And so I think it's important... And I don't think it's an accident that uh, when Paul wrote to Timothy, a young pastor, Paul said, don't neglect the public reading of Scripture because that was the only time the, the congregation could hear God's Word. So I'm going to ask you, and I, you'll never hear me say this again, but to close your Bibles, okay? If I say that next week, look for another church. Now, I know some of you are going to open your Bibles and you're going to send me an email this afternoon and give me my error rate. And we will deal with you appropriately this week. But I want you to hear God's word from the book of James. Now, I want to orient you a little bit to the book of James before we begin. James was, in all likelihood, written by the half-brother of Jesus. He was the leader of the Jerusalem church. He was called old camel knees because he prayed so often his knees looked like the knees of a camel. He was a leader of the church in Jerusalem, and what happened fairly early on in the early church, you read about this in Acts 8, there was massive persecution on believers in Jerusalem, and the believers in Jerusalem and Judea were scattered. And I believe James is writing a letter to this persecuted, now scattered group of believers. And they are under tremendous trial. Verse 2 says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Um, James is concerned that under the external pressure of these trials and difficulties, these believers are struggling in their faith. It's also true, I think, that James is concerned that in the midst of struggling under the pressures these believers are facing, they are tempted to cut corners in their obedience to God, which would be disastrous. The way James puts it in verses 13 and 14, uh, he, he says, you know, let no one say when he's, in, when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted. 
when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin, and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. He's desperately concerned that under these external pressures, they're tempted to cut corners in their obedience and to allow the power of sin back into their lives, which will be massively destructive. Now, it's interesting. I think there's a prologue in the first 18 verses of the book. And in verses 19 and 20, I believe there's an inspired outline of James's three-part sermon. In James 1.19, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Those are his three main points. Quick to hear means James is concerned that the believers who are under pressure would obey God's word. For James, knowing the word of God is, is not the end goal. In some sense, James, I think, would tell us to know the word and not to obey it is not to know it all. The opposite of ignorance is not knowledge, it's obedience. And so from James 1.21 to the end of chapter 2, James continues to call these struggling believers to obey God's word under pressure. Then he says, slow to speak. All of James 3 is about the tongue. And boy, isn't it true? When you're under pressure, you say crazy things. You say destructive things. We hurt each other. We hurt our people we love and care about the most. We hurt one another in this church. And James is concerned that our speech be building up, not tearing down. And then lastly, uh, you know, slow to anger is all of James 4. It's about anger. When we are under pressure, when we're experiencing trials, we often tend to have some of our desires and goals in our life are blocked, and that ticks us off. But James will tell us that part of anger is when your desires internally are disordered, and then those desires aren't being met, it causes you to get angry. There's an epilogue at the end of the book. From most of chapter 5 is the epilogue. Gives us a, a potpourri of helpful resources and instructions for believers under trial. I think you'll find it interesting when you listen to this is how many times James says, my brothers, my beloved brothers. He's clearly writing to people who he thinks are following Jesus Christ. There's one part, I hope this is clear in the recitation. There's actually an objector comes out. It's in chapter 2 when you'll know the section which is what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works and James will go on and then out of the blue James will say but someone will say you have faith and I have works show me your faith apart from your works etc. It's like James directly confronts an objector. You'll also hear, and I don't want you to be too unnerved by this, but when I get to the first couple of verses of James 5, there's some very strong words for wealthy people. And yes, there may have been wealthy people. More likely what James is doing in that section, he's talking about the wealthy people that are oppressing the minority Christian community. And he's reminding them that in the wealth of these oppressors, God will deal with them in due time. One last thing. Starting next week, 
on Sunday. We're going to put together a blog every Sunday. And it's going to give you a little Bible reading plan through the week. You'll be reading the text we just preached on. You'll be reading some New Testament passage, Old Testament passage, something to do with Jesus that connects with the text. You'll also be given a Bible reading to prepare you for the next sermon. There'll also be some discussion questions. And I really want to encourage you, not only to do this personally, but to find somebody else, a small group, your family, a friend, a classmate, and talk together about the book of James. So that together in community, you can be discerning what God might be asking you to do. So let me pray for us. Let me also turn to James, just in case. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, I thank you for each one here this morning, those that are online. And Lord, I suspect there are many of us in this room and online this morning who are going through trials right now. And you find it to be very grievous, difficult, challenging. Others of us are just a few hours or a few days or weeks or maybe a month or two away from facing our own set of new trials and difficulties in our life. And what we need to do, what all of us need to do, what we need to do for one another is to help one another. Make sure that we are not cutting corners in our obedience. We need to be viewing trials the way God views trials, not as, as irritants or obstacles, but actually as the way forward in becoming more like Jesus Christ. I pray that we would all realize that Jesus Christ did not come to suffer and die so that we wouldn't have to suffer and die but so that when we suffered, we would become more like Jesus Christ. I pray that you would challenge us to get parts of our life back under the lordship of Christ and following and obeying God's word. I pray that you would help all of us with our tongues and what we say, that you would, you would purify us and that you would enable us to speak lovingly and encouragingly. And I pray that you would help each of us to, to deal with our anger by rightly ordering our desires as James provides instruction. Lord, as we listen to your word, speak to us by your spirit. Change us, direct us, encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of, of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let, let him ask God, who, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. 
is like a flower of the grass. He will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted. When he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the, the word of truth that we should become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Therefore, put away all filthiness and, and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and, and goes away and, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's religious... And does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit widows and orphans in their affliction. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a, a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you, sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you, stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to, to those who love him? But you, you, you have dishonored the poor man. 
Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and fed, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was, counted to him as, as, uh, it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead so also faith apart from works is dead. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. I mean, look at the ships also. Though they, 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 they are so large and they're, and they're driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also, the tongue is a small member. Yet it it boasts of great things. How great a force to set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. 
with it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. It's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your, your passions are at war within you? You, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says? He yearns jealously over his spirit he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter return to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There, there's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you? Who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a, such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. 
Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For, for, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded. And their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You've laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You've lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains? You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let, let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, Confess your sins to one another and, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he, played, he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again. And heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if any one of you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that he who brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death 
and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, there's not a one of us who doesn't need to hear the words of this great book. All of us will face trials. All of us will be tempted to cut corners. All of us need God's wisdom so that we can see trials from your perspective. All of us need to be doers of the word and not hearers only. All of us need your help with our words, with our tongue. All of us need help with rightly ordering our desires so that we are not overwhelmed with our anger. And Lord, all of us need to be on the lookout for those here that are struggling, struggling under significant trials, struggling with the destructive nature of sin, and we need to go out and connect with them and draw them in. Help us, Lord, over the next couple of months to be transformed by your word from the pen of James, the half-brother of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.